Well, good morning. It's my pleasure to be with you today. I'm, I'm Kenneth Hall, and uh, it's good to see some very familiar faces and to uh, be with uh, folks we, we love and to be back uh, again in this great church. I, uh, I bring you greetings from uh, so many people who know you and love you and pray for you. And um, last Sunday, I, I, our, the home church I was pastor of for years at First Baptist downtown celebrated its 150th year. Uh, wow, that's, uh, uh, I, I was only there part of that time. <laughs> but uh, we certainly heard Moberly's name mentioned as, uh, went from, from its formation back uh, in the 1930s. Wow, what a, what a great story your story is to the kingdom of God. I was sharing with the group in the early service this morning that I really struggled with uh, what to do. You know, I'm, I, when I retired from Buckner and after being a pastor for years, uh, I, I kind of made the willful decision not to get on the preacher circuit weekly and go preach different places, uh, but I wanted to be active in my church. And uh, as I said, uh, if we had hymnals anymore, I'd love to hold hands with my wife under the hymnal, but we don't do that anymore. But uh, at least I get to hold my wife's hand, you see, in, in worship now. And that's, that's fun after a bunch of years of being on this side of the pulpit from her. And, uh, but I, I struggle with what to preach to you because I know the church well and love this church, love your heritage and, and the things that you're doing to, to impact the kingdom of God. So the temptation is always to just grab a sermon that you've preached in the past that people told you, you they liked and you just repeat that, you know. But uh, I decided that that might not be what God was calling me to do today. And so I, I want to, uh, on this Father's Day, talk to you as a friend, as a former pastor, but I want to talk to you pastorly in, in a way about, about who you are individually, person to person, what God's doing in your life. I want to talk about the fact that, that there are things in life that maybe we're dealing with that we don't necessarily know how to deal with. Uh, and we, there's a thousand of examples of that. But let me just tell you, I'm going to preach through that third chapter of Ecclesiastes. And it's not a passage of scripture we get very often. So you just go ahead and find it and keep your finger there because I'm not going to just read the text like we preachers sometimes do. I'm going to go back and read various verses in the passage to help us uh, look at life, really to look at who we are and the limited nature we are as humans and the infinite message of God's love in spite of our limitations. I love Peanuts cartoon strip. I just think it's maybe the most profound of all things in literature, frankly, because uh, even though it's just a little cartoon strip, it just seems to know where I'm at uh, very often. I remember the great one where Charlie Brown comes and he sees Lucy and she's got her psychiatric booth up. And he takes his five cents and he puts it in the little jar there and she says, you know, Charlie Brown, Life is a lot like an ocean liner or cruise ship. 
There are people who uh, get their deck chair and they put it on the front of the boat. And then there are those who get their deck chair, they put it on the back of the boat. The people on the front are looking where they're going. And there's people on the back of the ship that are looking where they've been. And he said, Charlie Brown, where are you going to put your deck chair? And Charlie Brown says, you know, I can't even get my deck chair to open. Well, a lot of us are like poor old Charlie. Sometimes we kind of know where we're going. Sometimes we kind of know where we've been, but we don't understand it. And then most of the time, we're just trying to figure life out. We're just trying to put the pieces together, right? We're just trying to know where we are. And so today, I want us to, to think about first... What is our responsibility in understanding life and understanding what's going on in our world? So if you'll take your Bible and look with me at Ecclesiastes chapter uh, 3, let's look at verse 10. Just, I'm going to skip around a little bit. This might not be like we preachers usually do it, but I want to just kind of do that for, for today for, with you if you'll let me. He says in verse 10, just kind of out of the blue if you look at it, he said, I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. Well, I, you know, we don't like that verse of Scripture, but it's true. Life does sometimes feel like it's just hard. It's, it's a burden. Now, skip with me to verse 22 of that third chapter. He says, so I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that is their lot. In other words, just grin and bear it, unfold your desk chair, get on with life, try to enjoy what little bit you can get out of it. That's your lot in life is to just work hard and figure out how to endure. So that's man's responsibility. Now, we could, I could go into a lot of examples about work and life and so forth, but I... I I remember a story about this uh, son, I'm sure he was a millennial, and he was talking to his dad, and his dad had to be my age, boomer type person, and uh, he says, son, why don't you get a job? And the son says, well, why? And he said, well, so you can uh, earn some money. Well, why? Well, so you can have some money to put in a bank and spend money, your money, on stuff you want. Well, why? Well, so maybe when you get old, there'll be enough money left and you won't have to work anymore. And he said, well, Dad, I'm not working now. <laughs> now, the reality is, some of us kind of live our lives that way. We just try to get through to the next day and we think, okay, well, what am I doing it for? Well, I, I've got children, I've got grandchildren, I'm saving for retirement, I'm trying to have enough that if I go before my spouse goes, they've got what they need or, um, you know, I, I want to leave something uh, uh, behind or, you know, we just kind of work because that's what life is. That's what 
old, the preacher in Ecclesiastes says life is. It's just your lot in life to work. Accumulate things, live life. That's our responsibility. But surely there's more to life than that. Surely dads, today, it's not just your job to do stuff so you can take care of a family or take care of your grandkids or, or one day to take care of a family, whatever, wherever stage of life you're in. So I want us to think further as I kind of further depress you a little bit. Uh, well, let's, what are the restrictions of life? What, so I'm going to read this past part of the passage for you. So let's just look at verses Two, well, I'll read verse one, but, but one through uh, eight. Here we go. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. So what was the preacher, perhaps Solomon, trying to preach that day as he was giving all that out? Well, I think what he was trying to say was that there are certain things in life that we've just got to learn to deal with based on the circumstances we're in. Let's walk through that passage. I'm going to go through it kind of verse by verse for you here. Look at verse 2. He says, there's a time to be born and a time to die. Now, let me just right up front say, none of us get to pick that. The date of our birth, we didn't get to choose it. We didn't even get to pick who our parents are. We didn't get to pick what country we would be born in, what state we would live in or be born in. We don't really get to pick the day that we die. That's just a circumstance of life. That's something that we learn to live with as we walk through the journey of life. He said there's a time to plant and a time to uproot. This is a reminder that the seasons of the world are not our choosing. The farmer doesn't get to go out and say, okay, I've decided this year I'm going to plant my crops in the fall and harvest in the springtime. There are certain crops that are planted in the spring. They grow and they're harvested later in the year. That's just life. That's the way it happens. And so when you tear up things or uproot things, you're getting ready for the next year the next harvest. That's just a circumstance of life. Look at uh, verse 3. It says there's a time to kill and a time to heal. I, I, I kind of like to think of 
this analogy of the, the soldiers who go to war and they fight the battles and somebody's wounded, the time to kill, as horrible as that is, tragic and as much as it grieves God, but then there's that military physician or nurse who sees when they bring in the wounded prisoner, the enemy, it's their job to save their life, even though they may have been the enemy. There's a time and a purpose for those who maybe are the militants, and there's a time for the physician to do what physicians or nurses do, a time to heal. There's a time to tear down and a time to build. We, we understand that one pretty well because we know that there are some things that you just can't fix. The house, the building, the room, the barn, it's just too far gone. And the best thing to do instead of repairing it is to tear it down and build another one. That's life. That's a circumstance. Verse 4 says there's a time to weep, a time to laugh, a, laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. This is a reminder of the appropriateness of of the event we're attending. You don't go to funerals to laugh. You don't go to weddings to weep and mourn. You don't throw a party at certain circumstances and have a dance. But at another occasion, that's totally appropriate. It's dependent on the circumstance of where we are and what we're doing. Verse 5, there's a time to scatter stones and there's a time to gather them. Imagine the, the field of stones, and it's, you're trying to plant a crop. Well, you've got to go out there and gather those stones and pick them all up. But if you decide, particularly in the ancient time, that you were going to build a building, build a new barn, you've got to gather those stones and put them in a place to where you can build a foundation for the building because they didn't have concrete or foundational slabs like we do to build buildings on, or, or you might gather the stones to build a fence around your land. So there might be a time to take the stones out of the field, and there might be a time to take the stones into the field, depending on the circumstance that you're dealing with. There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain. The appropriateness of a time, you know, the last year and a half, not much hugging's gone on. But thank goodness the masks are down. I've gotten hugged several times this morning by people in this town and in this church I love today. It feels good to get hugged again. There's an appropriateness occasionally or inappropriateness occasionally to the embrace, depending on the circumstance. Verse 6, there's a time to search, a time to give up, a time to keep, a time to throw away. How much we accumulate in life matters. And what we are accumulating at that time matters. But there's also a time to get rid of it, to throw it away. Um, I, you know, I'm kind of, I grew up of a generation where the newspaper was in print 
and it was on a magazine, I mean, on a piece of paper. So I've got newspapers that recently I was showing my grandson who was with us for a few days and he's 16. I said, look here, I've, I've, I've got, on my birthday when I was in high school, John F. Kennedy was assassinated. I've got the newspaper announcing that. November 22nd, I, I showed him the, uh, some uh, newspapers of other significant events like 9-11 and then um, and, and, and different things like that. And I got a magazine when the Baylor Bears won the national championship in basketball. I was showing him the newspaper. I was going to keep it. You know, and his response was, well, Poppy, why don't you just take a picture of those and keep them on your phone? Probably a pretty good idea. <laughs> I don't need the news throw the paper away. There's a time to keep. There's a time to throw away. Look here. He says um, there's a time to tear and a time to mend. In that ancient world, if you had a, a robe on and you were mourning or there was a great tragedy or sadness, you would rip your robe. And yet, to, to show the grief, and yet soon... You would take that robe and you would sew it back together because you didn't have a closet full of clothes like we do. You probably just had the one robe. It's a time to tear and a time to mend based on the circumstances. And then the philosopher, the preacher says, there's a time to be silent and a time to speak. Now, some of you are probably saying, when's your time to be silent? Is it getting close? But there's an appropriateness to when to say something, and then there's an inappropriate time to talk. Sometimes it's just good to come alongside and be close. There's other times it's good to have a word, a word hopefully from the Lord. So uh, at the end of the time, he was reminding us that the freedom of man is to act and to do so understanding the circumstances of life. Our actions are restricted by the life we're living, the circumstances of our life. How you act, what you do, how you say, how you express your love, your attention, your affection, your angst, your anger, must fit the circumstance you're living in. That's our limitations. But what does a believer do? Well, here's our response. And I want to read that for you because I just think if you, you can get too caught up in the poetry of this passage of Scripture to see that the philosopher, the preacher of, of Ecclesiastes was looking forward to a time when there would come one who had the answers. Here's what he says in verse 11. Speaking of God, he said, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. 
that each of them may eat, drink, and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Now here's the message. We've got all these restrictions. We've got all of this issue of, well, is life just toiling and living and experiencing and trying to figure out how to cope? Is that what life is? Thank God it's not that. Here's what he says. Here's, what, here's how you live life. Here's what good dads do, even old dads who have their kids in gone, gone. This is what wonderful believers do in spite of gender and in spite of role in life. This is how we live our lives. Verse 11, look at life, see the ebb and flow of it, see the orderness of it, see the limits of it, but then understand that God has a beauty in all of it. He says he has made everything beautiful in its time. There's not a thing in this world God can't redeem. There's not a tragedy. There's not a hurt. There's not a fear. There's not a doubt. There's not a separation that God can't redeem. That's who God is. He's made everything beautiful. That was the way the Old Testament would say it. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and that you might have life to the full. He didn't say he was going to take away the circumstances of life. He just said, I'm going to tell you how to live in the midst of it with a fullness, with a joy that's unspeakable. Verse 11 also says, he has set eternity in the hearts of men. Listen to life. Take just a moment and listen to the thread of God's love running through you. Before, before he spoke the stars into place, before he created this old earth that we call our planet, our home, all through the eons of time, long before you were born that time to be born, God knew your name. He knew your circumstance. He birthed eternity into you the day you came into being. You're a forever being. God did. He put eternity in you. What a, what a picture of life. What a, what a true statement. When I'm struggling with junk, when I'm dealing with hard people, when I'm fearful about stuff that's happening in the world that I can't do anything about, but I want to, when I see the world seeming to spin in directions that are painful for me and, and challenge me, 
God's still in charge. (laughs) Even though the voters may not recognize it, even though the parts of the world may not understand it, even though there's all types of antagonistic viewpoints on all kinds of issues, God birthed us and he sustains us. Look at verse 12. Because of the restrictions of life, I might sometimes just say, you know, I'm I'm fed up. I give up. I'm just going to bury my head, and I'm not going to do anything else. I'm fed up with the world. We, we, We all say that in different ways. You know, we, we, we do different things. But the writer of Ecclesiastes says, no, that's not the way to live life. He said, instead, we're to live joyously, obediently. He says, this is the conclusion of the matter. I know there is nothing better for men than to be happy. Hear it. There's nothing better, nothing better than to be happy and to do good while they live. (laughs) Here it is. Living a good life, and we know what that is, all in here heard it preached to you all the times you've been coming to church and those that are brand new ones today let me tell you it's it's here there how to live life is here it's in the word of the lord because there was one who came and lived it that way i mean he he dealt with terrible people there was horrible circumstances all around him i mean there there were epidemics and pandemics there were he was he was a refugee He was rejected by his own community. Even his family gave him hard time often. His friends betrayed him. There were all kinds of religious zealots with all kinds of weird ideas. And yet Jesus was good. And he lived it the right way. He did good. When there was somebody hurting, he loved them. When there was somebody sick, he healed them. When there was someone that needed a word, he gave them a word. When someone was crying, he wiped away their tears. Yes, life is hard. Yes, some of you may be feeling not too happy on a Father's Day because of your history or your past. Let me tell you, life is not based on the circumstances. It's based on how you choose to live in spite of those circumstances. To be good. To choose the positive over against the negative. And then look at verse 14. Oh, Solomon said, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it. In other words, your eternity is eternity and you're not going to make it any bigger or better or less or littler. (laughs) Nothing you're going to do is going to change that. 
And then he says, God does it so that men will revere him or fear him. Now that word is an Old Testament word that doesn't mean afraid. It means healthy respect to a point of adoration. We call it love. Here's what God said. Jesus said, you know, Nicodemus was dealing with life and dealing with issues. And, and Jesus finally said, look, Nick, let me tell you. Here's the deal. For God so loved the world. Eternity. Before there was a world, God loved the world. That he gave his one and only son that whoever on a good day, a bad day, a person who's living like a ding-dong and a person who's not, whoever believes in him shall not perish but will inherit everlasting life, eternity. God loves you. And what's our response to that? He said it. We love him back. It's just that simple. It's, it's not complicated. I, I don't have to get all the rules and regulations. The world doesn't have to conform to my viewpoint, and I don't have to conform to the world's viewpoint. I'm going to live with life the way life is dealing with me, but while I live with life, Whatever my circumstance, on that time to do whatever it is, I'm going to love him with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind. And what's going to burst out of my life is eternity. Wholeness. You see, eternity is not just how long it lasts. It's not linear. Eternity is holistic. It's all. It's everything. It's your emotions. It's your, it's your thought processes. It's your actions. It's, it's all of that. That's what, that's what everlasting life is going to be. We're, we're going to be in the presence of God living life. Feeling things. Expressing things. And that's the time God has offered us. Let's pray. Our God, it is with great joy this morning. We just stop and be reminded on this weekend where we celebrate the love of family, the particular love of our fathers. We pray, Father, that We'll remember you as the good father who's done it all for us. Lord, I pray for each person here, no matter what they're struggling with, all of those within the sound of my voice this day, joining us through various means of communication. May you reach through all of these portals, O oh Lord, 
and reveal your love that's eternal, everlasting, that knows no limitations, completely free. And may we be willing to love you back with our whole being. In Jesus' name, amen.